Hello, and welcome to Fangraphs Audio, episode 937. We bring you this episode a little bit early this week, as your favorite podcast producer is going on a short vacation. On today's program, David Lorelai is joined by Sean Mernon, radio voice of the Rays Class A Bowling Green Hot Rods, and Taj Bradley, 20-year-old right-hander who is currently excelling on the mound for the team. David asks Sean and Taj about their paths to Bowling Green and the remarkable alumni they have shared teams with along the way. Taj also shares how he stayed in shape with no minor league season last year, and Sean talks about getting to travel with the team again and what it was like to cover Wander Franco. But before we get to this conversation from the road, I must ask if you've checked out the Fangraphs.com shop lately. Other than all the cool merch, may I suggest a Fangraphs ad-free membership for yourself or for a friend? It is truly the best way to both browse the site and to help support it. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hey, baseball fans, this is David Lorela. My guests are Sean Mernon, radio voice of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, the high A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Taj Bradley, a 20-year-old right-hander who was promoted to Bowling Green from Low A Charleston at the beginning of this month. For those of you not familiar with Bradley, in 81 and two-thirds innings this year, this is of, as when we are speaking on, uh, on Friday, Bradley has 99 strikeouts. He's allowed just 51 hits. And and he has a record of 11 and 3 to go with a 2.09 ERA. So that longish intro now done. Gents, thanks to both of you for coming on to uh, Fangrass Audio. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. To start, I should admit to having only learned recently, as in I think yesterday, that the Hot Rods actually play in Bowling Green, Kentucky and not Bowling Green, Ohio. I don't know, Sean, is that something I should actually admit or do I get a pass on that one? No, that that should be a, a terrible embarrassment and a, a stain on your career there. That's that's not good. Okay, well, that will be it for today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, I only found out about Bowling Green because that's one of our affiliates, so I think we're in the same boat. Yeah, Taj, how much did you know, if anything, about where the affiliates were when you signed your first contract? I knew very few. Through the first months, they were saying different affiliate names, and I'm Thinker at different levels, so I'm thinking Stone Crabs, Low A, Bowling Green was Double A, Montgomery Triple A. So it took me a while to adjust to the levels of the of the organization, but I got to it. Right. And of course there have been changes to some of the affiliates as well with the reorganization of minor league baseball. Maybe I can jump in too here and mention that Sean and Taj are joining us from Greensboro, North Carolina, where the team is playing on the road. And uh, I believe that they're actually in a lobby where they can get Wi-Fi, so we may have a little background noise. That said, Taj, you grew up in the Atlanta area and went to a high school that's produced a couple of uh, pretty notable big leaguers. Uh, I assume you can name them? Yeah, Wally Joyner and Brandon Phillips. Yeah, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot here with a very challenging uh, quiz question. Of Joyner and Phillips, which of the two had the most big league hits and which had the most big league home runs? Does Wally Joyner have the most hits and Brandon most home runs? You have just passed that quiz, and I am very impressed because... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I looked this up, and the numbers are, are shockingly close. I think Phillips... Or no, Joyner had about 30 more hits, and Phillips had six or seven more home runs. So we are learning very quickly that Taj Bradley knows his uh, high school baseball history. <laughs> Sean, let, let me uh, hit you with one as well. Oh, no. 
<laughs> you got your uh, start in broadcasting, at least in pro ball. Uh, actually, it wasn't pro ball. It was summer collegiate league. Uh, it was for the Mankato Moondogs in 2016. And I, of course, looked this up. But uh, who are the most notable players in Moondogs history? Yeah, I mean, you're talking Curtis Granderson, which is funny because he wasn't actually a Moondog. He was a Mankato masher at the time. I think it was like 1999. And then uh, Brandon Crawford was there before he started his UCLA career, which, of course, was short because he was destined for the big leagues. But, uh, I mean, those are probably the two the two big names. Um, Nick Goody was there. Uh, Tyler Naquin was there. You got a whole, There's a whole bunch of guys that have played in that league that are just huge, huge, you know, big league guys. Right. And while I get confused about towns named Bowling Green being from the Midwest, I actually know where, where Mankato is. That's where me and my family live during the offseason. So that's you've, you've redeemed yourself, I think. Fantastic. Yeah, a complete change of direction. Uh, Todd, you are playing for an organization that excels in, in pitcher development. What stands out from your time in the Rays system so far? You know, what have you learned about yourself as a pitcher? For me, I had to learn routine. So that was the biggest fact. I came in here not knowing much about pitching since I – I primarily became a pitcher my senior year of high school. So it's kind of like starting from scratch. So that's kind of easy, you know. You're not like trying to break old habits or anything. So it's uh, they're teaching you from scratch how to build a basic routine and throw your own mix into it from taking their advice. Uh, but over the years, uh, it's been highs and lows, up and downs on progressing and maybe – you know, going back to how it was when I first got here. But then sooner or later, you figure it out and you're able to make it um, consistent and all. So mainly just to give me routine to work off of and add it to everyday, everyday life. Yeah, say a little more, Taj, about becoming a pitcher. I'm a little surprised that you came to the mound as recently as you did. Yeah, Um. so all the way up until my senior year, I was an outfielder. And I would come in and fill some minis on travel ball and um, high school. But it's funny, we were at Lake Point. And we were playing Westlake High School. And they were looking at two of my friends, uh, Kelvin Smith and Lawrence Butler. And you know how um, scouts would be around the cages pregame. They'll probably try to um, record some of the players um, swinging in the cage and all. And I don't know, I made a joke of it. So I was just randomly going up to scouts' hand, uh, scouts to them and shaking their hands, like, hey, I'm Taj Bradley. Like, nice to meet you. Like, you're going to see me on the field today. Like, just joking around, knowing that they weren't there for me. And Maybe 20 minutes before the game, my coach, Alexander Weish, um, he told me I'm going to be on the mound. And two innings went by, and uh, I guess that solidified me as a pitcher for the rest of the season. <laughs> I guess it worked out, so I was happy about it. Yeah, that, that is fantastic. You mentioned scouts. Uh, one thing that I have learned, and I think I mentioned this on a, a recent podcast talking to uh, another broadcaster, is that broadcasters actually could almost do the job of scouts to the extent that they see a lot of baseball and really get to see what guys bring to the table. So Sean, from the three appearances you know, that Taj has had you know, with Bowling Green, what are your initial observations? Um. He throws hard. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, he's, he's pretty accurate. He stays in the zone. He's, you know, uh, guys have a hard time hitting the, uh, hitting the ball extremely hard off of him. I mean, mistake, you know, mistakes happen. I think, I think Taj would agree with that, but I mean, outside of that, I see the funny thing is, is that when you say that I keep telling people when they ask me about players that I'm not a scout, I'm literally just a casual observer. So for you to put me on the spot like that, it's, I'm going to I'm going to catch some flack for this one. 
<laughs> wow. And now I am the one who should probably be uh, giving you a couple of demerits, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. I'll take right. it. Right. Well, I think we probably need to circle back to Taj then. Just where is your velo and what is in the rest of your repertoire? So far, I'm pretty uh, at a velo jump. So I'm thinking I'll sit around 94, 95. And this year I've touched 99 a few times. Uh, and the rest of my arsenal is just a cutter and change up. Yeah, touching 99, is that with uh, with ride? Do you get ride up in the zone? Yeah, I think so. That's what I'm starting to learn more about analytics. I think uh, that's where my fastball plays the most up in the zone. Yeah, there is some obligation here in a, a Fangraphs podcast to bring up analytics at least once. So, Taj, sticking with you, your manager uh, when you were in Charleston earlier this year is Blake Butera, who I'm pretty sure has has yet to celebrate his 30th birthday. What was it like playing for a manager who isn't a whole lot older than some of your teammates there? I feel like it was cool just seeing how he wasn't that far removed from the game. So, I mean, not to say new age baseball, but you know how players are different nowadays and how they celebrate and uh, show their excitement over a play they made or a hit they might have had. So he has an understanding of where they're coming from. And uh, just being a young guy, we could probably connect more on a few more things than you know, maybe uh, the more veteran managers, not to say that they're like drastically different, but just maybe, yeah, like I said, more understanding, more connection on that. And he's a great guy to have as a manager. I mean, it was fun playing for him in Charleston. Yeah. Was Blake cool with, you know, guys doing their thing, maybe flipping a bat or showing a little emotion? Yeah. So for the most part, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But it's for the, the little things like not running out of ground ball or, you know, the routine plays that need to be made and, being a little extra, he'll probably not get into you, but help you figure it out and correct it along the way. But, yeah, that's why I think he's he's a great manager to play under. Yeah, with, with youth in mind, Taj, uh, one of your younger teammates in Charleston uh, was Cole Wilcox, who has actually been, I believe, on the, on the IL now since the end of June, you know, with an elbow issue. Would it be fair to say that he might be the best pitcher that you've had as a teammate so far? I mean, in the Rays organization, that's hard to say because there's so many good pitchers. But to see his style of pitching, yeah, like a hard two seam with the change up to like tunnel it well and then a good slider. So, yeah, he's a good pitcher to see that I've seen. And uh, he's a Georgia boy, too. So there's a lot to go on from there. Yeah, Sean, let's let's jump back to you. Um, I mentioned earlier that we are recording this on uh, Friday the 20th, and it looks like later tonight, your club is going to face uh, Quinn Priester, one of the top prospects in the Pirates system. Mm-hmm. Has he pitched against uh, Bowling Green yet this season? He has. And let's put on your "you are not a scout" scout hat and tell me what you've seen, what you saw from Quinn Priester. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that really stuck out to me was he's got good movement on his curveball. I mean, like it really gets a, I think it gets a really sharp, quick depth to it, and I think that that paired with that fastball that he throws has has been, you know, I mean, it's it's been difficult for a lot of guys to be able to try and get, I get anything off of them really, but at the same time, you know, but not to not to get too crazy here, but th- this team is really good. I mean, the hitter the hitters on this team are exceptional. I mean, they've scored in the first three games of this series, they've scored 35 runs. So, you know, I mean, the last time I think he had, I think Priester had seven strikeouts in like four innings against us. So. You know, obviously what he's doing works really well and, and he's been pitching, you know, he's been pitching well this year. 
Yeah, and Taj is not the only Charleston turned Bowling Green player who's making a, a name for himself. You just mentioned the quality of hitters uh, on the club. What can you tell me about the 20-year-old infielder from Australia? I think that I can tell you that he is very lighthearted and likes to laugh and at the same time is a really good hitter. And I think he's getting better in the field. Last night, he made two plays by the line at third base that were pretty deep where one, I don't know how he got to the ball and two, I mean, he had the arm to make the plays there. So uh, I think that he is, you know, he's moving right along. It's hard to believe that he's, he's been a a pro for a while. And I mean, he's basically a, a legend over in Australia in the Australian league. So. Right. That being Curtis Mead. Was he on your radar prior to the start of the season? When you look at the initial roster, did you really have an idea of, of who Curtis was? I did, but only because, so the guy that he was traded for, uh, Christopher Sanchez back in 2019 was with the Hot Rods and he was sort of a move to kind of make room for the, you know, make room for guys to be able to be put on the 40 man and avoid obviously all the, uh, all the rule five stuff. And when you have a, a left-handed guy that throws upper nineties, I mean, it's, you kind of have to do something with him. Um, so, I mean, I had heard about him and looked into him a little bit, but uh, with him being as young as he was, I wasn't sure, you know, I mean, the, the pandemic and, and the year off kind of screwed everything up for me. So we had looked into him, but I don't think we had developed as much of a, a biography, I guess you could say, as we would have for some of the older guys. Yeah, with the pandemic in mind, Taj, what did you find yourself doing last summer with no baseball? Uh, finding a way to stay in shape. All the gyms are closed, so I had to buy like, little things at Walmart, like dumbbells. Or, is it Stidia ball? Bio ball? Or the, big, the big bouncy yoga ball. Yeah. So I'd use that, um, finding ways to throw and all. So just when it, whatever friend was in town that time from school or just able to take the time out and go toss. I had to take that to my advantage to go do it. And bullpens were kind of hard to come by. And, um, just staying in shape, really. And then, you know, you have your your phone calls from your pitching coaches, which is, you know, a good thing because they help you, like, remember what you need to work on and what should be worked on. But it's kind of hard not having that instruction in there face-to-face so they could um, see mechanically or the way your pitches run better than – through a video so that was kind of the difficult part but I feel like in quarantine it was a good self-talk time just to learn on my own and figure out what's what I'm needed to do and what my body needs to um, feel like it's performing at its best so it's a plus and a minus but more positive I take out of it. And speaking of bodies that perform at their best Sean what did you find yourself doing over the pandemic with no baseball games to call? I got my wife pregnant and then I promptly played like 150 rounds of golf. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, once I was out of here, I feel like that's a pretty robust summer. Uh, I don't know if I should ask you which was the more successful endeavor of those two. Well, I mean, I, my wife would probably say, we have a four-month-old son now. My wife would probably say that, but I broke, I broke 80 twice. So, <laughs> I hope that your wife is not going to listen to this podcast when it comes out. <laughs> oh, she will. She's visiting next week. I'm in a lot of trouble. That's all right. Taj, let's let's jump back to uh, to Curtis Mead. There is a, there's a Foster's beer ad. I don't know if it runs anymore, but it focuses on the phrase "how to speak Australian." Have you picked up any words or phrases from from Curtis? I'd say the most what, the most known is mate, right? Because he'll throw that out randomly. I don't know. I mean, majority of the time I ask him about how Australia is. Because, you know, you see a lot of videos about the animals that are around. And they just, 
it's normal to them for them to see. So I'm asking them, like, hey, if you see a snake in the house, like, what do you do? Do you call animal control or do you handle it yourself? Like, nah, if it's, if it's like, not one of the more poisonous ones, you just get up there and grab it. Because I'm looking at him, like, okay, that's normal. All right, I'm not going to do it, but all right. If I, if I have any problems, I'll just get you a flight out to Georgia. No, this is notable. If there are any uh, snakes onto the ballpark there, you know, we know who is going to run out and grab it. Yeah, no hesitation at all. <laughs> yeah, it probably will not be Sean from the broadcast booth, I wouldn't think. No, I shy away from the foul balls, too. Yeah, I tried to get him to do his best American accent. And I guess every person from, you know, a different accent has a different region of the U.S. they'll have. So, like, Margot Robbie is more like what New York kind of Idris is. I don't know what to say where he's from, but it's more standard. But uh, Curtis sounds like he's from, like, Minnesota or, like, something like that. Like, he has, like, some twang to it or something. I don't know what part of the – but it's, it's something. You've heard it, right, Sean? I've heard it, but it sounds like he's Australian. It does, trust me, I agree. I've lived in upper Minnesota. It doesn't sound like Minnesotan. No, it has twang to me. I don't know. I guess I'll say more country. I don't know why I'm thinking that far. No, but yeah. Yeah, upper Minnesota, though. I believe Mankato is actually close to Minneapolis. Is that not right, Sean? It is. It's south central Minnesota. I lived in Duluth, Minnesota for two years. So I've uh, I've met the people that sound like now Trevor Brigden. Okay. Brigden has the uh, sort of the, the Minnesota type of thing, but that's because he's Canadian. Okay. Yeah, I I once uh, hitchhiked either from Marquette, Michigan to Minneapolis or vice versa with an old friend of mine named Lisa once upon a time. And we were standing at crossroads, the crossroads on the highway outside of Duluth in a small snowstorm, which is one of those memories that has just uh, clicked into my head. You picked a good day to be there then. Small snowstorms don't happen very often up there. <laughs> no, what what were you doing in Duluth, Sean? After I got out of school, well, I I, I did uh, I did a bunch of different jobs back in Pennsylvania because I grew up outside of Scranton. And um, once my wife my wife got her doctorate in physical therapy, and um, I mean maybe this will actually maybe this will you know redeem me. We basically just said, all right, let's let's go you know let's go somewhere different. Like we had been there for at that point, I'd been there 25 years, and um, the first place that offered her a reasonable amount of money to move and live was uh, a place in. Moose Lake, Minnesota, which is about a half hour outside of Duluth. So we decided to live in Duluth. Yeah. And Taj, you are from, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Atlanta area. Uh, you have played uh, your minor league career mostly in the South. Do you have much experience, uh, quote unquote, up north anywhere? Uh, I think the farthest north I've played is Virginia. So we're in West Virginia for Princeton, but I've never been that far north. We had the Hudson Valley uh, affiliate, but that's no more. It was in Hudson Valley, New York, but and no, that far north. I mean, oh, um, Delaware also, but I mean, it's seventy something with a breeze, and I thought I was cold, but you got people here from Chicago and Minnesota, and they're just down talking me like that's nothing to be cold about. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Wow. So one of these days with the Rays, when you're pitching in the big leagues, you'll be coming up to uh, well, up here to Boston where I am. And uh, let me warn you, when you uh, take the mound in April in Boston, you're probably going to be wearing a la- an extra layer. <laughs> extra Vaseline and all, two sleeves. Yeah, if uh, I'm not sure how legal that's going to be by the time you get to the bigs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are actually starting to run short on time here. But uh, Sean, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about a player that you had a couple of years ago in Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he is playing shortstop for the Rays right now. 
Yeah, I think I've I think I've heard of him. Is his name like Wander Franco or something? <laughs> yeah. I can't. What's his? Yeah, yeah. No, Wander Wander was yeah. Wander was awesome when he was here. I mean, those numbers were those were. <laughs> he he started off a tiny bit slow, and then he was not slow anymore. No, he hit a big home run at Fenway Park in a game that I was at just uh, about a week ago. He's uh, he is a young player. I don't know if he is just older or just younger than than Taj. I think he's nineteen days older than me. Yeah, I was going to say, you're right around the same age. March 1st, yeah, 2001. Oh, so that puts a little pressure on Taj to uh, jump up to the big leagues, I think. <laughs> yeah, pro- I mean, probably. See, the funny thing is, is that I've actually been really lucky because I got to see Wander here in 19. I was with the Hagerstown Suns in 18, so we started the season with Juan Soto. In 17, I was in Peoria, Illinois, so we had Dylan Carlson and Jordan Hicks. I mean, I've been spoiled as far as prospects go. No, that is outstanding. You know, the relationship between players and broadcasters in the minor leagues, I think, is, has always been of interest. I know that things have changed somewhat since COVID came around with all of the protocols, but just how much interaction uh, do you guys actually have on a daily basis? I think more than people would say. I mean, he comes on the bus rides with us. I've never met an announcer to do that. And they're not little two-hour bus drives or 10 14 hour plus so i commend him on that one so it's awesome i first get here and he comes up to me right away and talks to me you know shows me that he's not you know that kind of guy just behind the booth he'll actually come meet you face to face i thought that was cool so i mean i know i've just been here for about two weeks now but we've talked and like been around each other a lot more than people would say yeah long bus rides that's plenty of opportunity for sean to uh to get on your nerves i would think yeah, I mean, usually you think you would just take a plane flight, right? But he's <laughs> he's mightily grinding right here. He's on these ten hours, really. Like, yeah, I don't have the the money for plane rides there, Taj. I don't know what you think that we're. Uh, I don't know what, what you think. You want you want to talk about grind? Let's compare paychecks now. <laughs> no, I mean, I I'm I'm lucky. I think I'm one of the few guys. I think I'm one of two guys in this league that's that's actually traveling with the team. And I don't know system wide. I don't think we have too many travel traveling guys right now. But I, I've been really lucky with the hot rods that you know early on in the season I I was designated to somebody. You know, you only had so many people that could go into the clubhouse, and I was allowed to do that. And our staff, you know, our, our coaching staff here is really great as far as being able to give me access and and give me the ability to talk to them and ask them questions. And then you know, the players. I've always I've always looked at it from my time when I was in the Northwoods League of you know being on the bus for the long bus rides there. I mean, we used to go to Ontario, Canada, just, you know, not, you know, when we're on the bus, I try not to talk about baseball unless they talk about it with me and just kind of, you know, be a normal human being because one, I mean, I'm nothing special. I'm a 33 year old. I'm about to be a 33 year old high A broadcaster. A lot of these guys are, you know, going to be major league baseball players. I'm sure they don't want to be reminded of that everywhere they go. And so, you know, when I see a, a guy like Taj, running around and stuff and he's you know just hanging out and you know he's got his hoodie on and he's got his backpack on under his hoodie and he's walking through so you know a museum <laughs> or something like that i'm not going to be like oh man this guy throws you know mid to high 90s it's it's more along the lines of like you know here's a 20 year old kid that's still trying to figure out life so just trying to just trying to get to know them a little bit better in that sense and and you know hopefully if they have any issues here from the other parts of my job just trying to make sure that, that everything is smooth so that they can just focus on what they need to do and feel comfortable when, you know, somebody who's not necessarily a staff member of the team is around. 
And I think Taj is probably savvy enough to recognize that the conversations that you do have with the players, both about baseball and non-baseball, is very important because when he's up in the booth covering, you know, a three-hour baseball game, is some of those stories really less people know, you know, who you guys are all about, both as people and, and players, things that you really can't learn without that face-to-face -face interaction. Better, yeah, yeah I, I think so. So great. You know, Taj Bradley, future Tampa Bay Ray pitcher, Sean Mernon, hopefully future big league broadcaster. It was great having the two of you on Fangraphs Audio. No, thanks for having us again, really. Thanks, David. We appreciate it. Right. And listeners, thank you, as always, for listening to Fangraphs Audio. This has been Fangraphs Audio, brought to you a bit early this week. Thank you to Sean and Taj for joining us. If you enjoyed the program, consider heading over to the Fangraphs store to give back a little, or tell a friend that you think might enjoy the podcast. We appreciate all of your help. We will be back with another show next week on our regular Friday schedule. Be excellent to each other, and we'll talk to you then.